You're listening to a Big Finish production. None of this surprises me. What a pestilential country. A carbuncle on the Earth's backside. Oh! Oh. Oh. Uh, Douglas, I think Mummy should rest. (laughs) I can manage. It's just, if the ground were less uneven... We really must keep moving, Mrs Calderwood. Unless Angus turns up again, it's up to us to find our way back to the road. But the heat... I can barely think... Everywhere I look, it's sort of fuzzy around the edges. We need water. Angus carried the water. We must get back to the road. The only other possibility is to find some water in the mountains. Uh, Angus! Do you think he heard? The size of that echo? Surely all of Australia would have heard. As if that would help. Flora, what does he mean? Douglas is taking this whole thing personally. It is personal. A lost guide? They've had it in for me from the start. A guided trip through the mountains. What a chance for an enterprising chap to maroon us here. You wouldn't end up in court. You'd be a national hero. You're paranoid, Douglas. Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not all still Australian. I've always thought they were wonderful people. Fan your mother, Flora. The heat's getting to her. If I could climb those rocks, I could look down into the valley. See if there are signs of life. Wait here. Sometimes that man's manner... Don't say anything, Mummy. It's such a beautiful country. And the people are kind. We wouldn't have come over here otherwise. Your father always said an Australian would treat you as he finds you. They certainly treat Douglas as they find him. He could be kinder. He is kind. Tell that to the man who got hit. Hello! Hello! Is there anyone out there? I can hear you. Why can't I see you when I can hear you? You need some water. I'm sure Angus will return soon. Oh, dear, I do feel faint. It's just so hot. You really didn't need to come. What nonsense. You two up in these mountains without a chaperone. The way young men behave in this day and age. What's that? There's a wind, a storm, maybe. Oh, bring us a cooling breeze. It sounded like machinery. Somewhere below us. Mummy, look! Well, that wasn't there a moment ago. You can see it. It's not just me. I've never seen anything like it, not even in India. Gone. It was there, and then it was gone. 
No luck, I'm afraid. Douglas, we saw something. Very likely. The whole country's teeming with snakes. Oh, dear. No, it was something bigger. It appeared and then it went again. A mirage. The heat. We both saw it. It was a sort of statue, but still, like the bridge in Sydney. And alive. I'm sure it had an eye. Somehow it seemed to look right through me. The sooner we return to civilization, the better for both of you. Yes. Oh, I feel so dizzy. She's in no state to walk, Douglas. But we can't stop here. I'm sure someone will come to our aid. I'm the most hated man in Australia. Why should anyone in this country help us? Uh, Sorry to disturb you. Uh, Can I ask for directions? Where on earth did you come from? The cricket field, by the look of it. A pitch, not field. A supporter, that's all we need. I think I've taken the wrong direction. I wasn't expecting to see mountains. I was looking for the Adelaide Oval. Are you mocking me, sir? No need for the sir. I'm the doctor. Just the doctor? Like W.G. Grace, I suppose. I've been mistaken for him before. Can't see why. You don't look a bit like him. Fair point. Anyway, uh, the Adelaide Oval. Left or right? Uh, You're out of your way, Doctor. Adelaide's a thousand miles from here. Ah, I think I'm going to miss the test match. The test match? The test match finished more than a week ago. That's a pity. I paid a lot for those tickets. Well, for 1933 prices... Sorry. Do you know, it's never occurred to me to carry any. The man's an idiot. Douglas! Only an idiot would come into these mountains without water. And do you have any? Our guide had it, but he's disappeared. How do you mean, disappeared? He was walking ahead of us, and then he seemed to vanish, just like the statue vanished. Statue? The crafty beggar crawled off into the bushes. I'm sure he's having a great laugh at my expense. Yes, very possibly. Well, I'm sure I can provide assistance. It hardly seems very likely. For goodness sake, Douglas. Give the man a chance to help us. He's an Englishman and a cricket supporter. Yes, only one of those things is true. I thought so. He's a Maltese. Why should it matter that I'm a cricket supporter? You're trying my patience, Doctor. He's Douglas Jardine. The England cricket captain? Yes. I had no idea. I'm sorry. So am I. I can't tell you what an honour this is to meet the actual Douglas Jardine. One of the most successful touring captains in Ashes history. I've only won two matches. Yes, I should probably have kept that to myself. But what a batsman you are, and what a leader, what a captain, absolutely single-minded in your pursuit of victory. Well, that's very pleasant of you. (sighs) He's warming to you now, Doctor. I'm a great admirer. I mean, some of the tactics are a bit, well, you know. What's wrong with my tactics? Oh, the infamous body line and so on. They'll still be talking about it in a hundred years. I expect. Probably. And what will they be saying? Well, aiming at the batsman's body. Uh, Effective, but not absolutely cricket. It's my opinion that anyone who talks about things like that not being cricket doesn't know cricket at all. Douglas, we need this man's help. That's quite all right. I have a vehicle a short walk from here. I can take you off these mountains wherever you want to go. Will it seat all four of us? Comfortably. I can even fit in some bags. Lead the way then, Doctor. Flora? 
I'll carry your mother. He shouldn't have spoken to you like that. I'm sorry. No, I could have been more diplomatic. He doesn't usually have that sort of temper. The heat makes it difficult for everyone. I wish that was all it was. Tell me. We met at the start of the tour. And he was different? He was so much happier then. Keen to do well in the games, but looking forward to it. His manners changed so much since Adelaide. I imagine he's under a lot of pressure. They say the way he makes his men play. It's damaging relations between England and Australia. It's certainly a ruthless way of treating your opponents. His schoolmaster said when they made him captain, Douglas might win you the ashes, but lose you the empire. <laughs> I know the type. But he is loyal and very determined. Now, that's not good. You don't think so? No. The TARDIS. It isn't where I left it. The what? How much further do we have to go? There's something wrong. Something altogether wrong. The land has shifted. An earthquake? Don't talk nonsense, man. Would have felt it. <laughs> I don't mean that. What I'm saying is, this part of the mountain is not as it was. So you're as lost as us. That's not what worries me. The whole topography of the area has been altered. Shut up a moment and listen. Water! Oh, we're saved. I don't know about that. It's coming from this direction. It can't be far. Douglas, what is that? What? On the path ahead. Some sort of bundle. Don't. I wouldn't go near it. Don't give me orders, Doctor. I'm going to set you down, Mrs. Coldwood. Such a burden. I'll go with him. Flora, stay with your mother. I... Good heavens. Flora, don't come near. You might want to step back too, Douglas. This body's been here for some time. But it can't have been. It's Angus. Angus? Our guide. Those are our water bottles he's carrying. I'm going to turn him over. Are you ready? I don't flinch easily, Doctor. No, I've read that in the match reports. <laughs> See. Oh, I've never come across anything like that. Something has caused him to age at terrible speed. This man's body is hundreds of years old. I feel so much better for the water. And I'm sure it's cooler now the sun's gone down. Yes. So lucky to find this lake. It's a wonder we got down the mountain so quickly. It does make one wonder, what is making the geography around here so fluid? How are Douglas and Flora? I'm giving them some time. For once, Douglas is being very quiet. Since we found Angus. Yes, since we found Angus. He must be in shock. And after going through such an awful time of it with the Australians, they really are such nice people. Most of them are, yes. I can't think why he doesn't get on with them. People have different ideas about the way the game should be played. Ah. I'm not a cricket person myself. I've never seen the point of something that goes on for days and days and ends with neither side winning. I find life can be rather like that from time to time. Mm. And the fuss after the last game. 
I really couldn't understand what this body line is all about. He told his bowlers to aim at the body. Well, you'll have to treat me like a silly old woman, one that needs things explained to her. People think cricket's a gentle game, but a cricket ball launched by test-class bowler, that's a rock-hard lump of leather travelling towards a batsman at over 80 miles an hour. It sounds lethal. It depends on what the bowlers are aiming to do and what they're aiming at. If a captain tells his bowlers to target a batsman's body, well, the captain will argue he's just trying to force them to play a shot and make a mistake, but the other side might well think he's going out of his way to injure them. Either way, it's a pretty ruthless way to play the game. I don't think there'll ever be much argument about that. When the man got hit, the uproar. There are people in this country that would tear Douglas limb from limb. The thing that killed Angus. Do you suppose it will come back for us? I wish I knew. Doctor, I think I should tell you. I now understand what's going on. Oh, dear. You've come here to drag me into a scandal, haven't you? I don't use this word very often, sir, but you're a blackguard. Douglas, leave him alone. I see how it is. You butcher poor Angus some ungodly way or other and try and pin the blame on me. The Australians will believe it. They think the worst of me anyway. Douglas. Dragging my name through the filth. I expect you're in the pay of some criminal gang... Or even worse, the press. I don't think the doctor has anything to do with it. If I did cause poor Angus's death, why didn't I take one of the water bottles? I didn't have any, same as you. Well, there must be an explanation. Yes, and whatever it is, it has nothing to do with the doctor. I don't know. Look, I know emotions are running high. Douglas, you know what it's like to be unfairly accused. Yes. I take it back, Doctor. I won't rush to judgment. I take back the bit about you being a blackguard. Don't worry about it. I've had worse. Look, I don't think we should risk leaving here before dark. We can make a shelter and continue when it gets light. Douglas, perhaps you'd help me find some branches. Will the women be all right on their own? I'm thinking about... Whatever killed Angus. If whatever killed Angus returns, we'd be powerless to protect them. I'm not in the habit of being powerless, Doctor. If I'm in a corner, I'll use whatever I've got to defend myself. Like ordering your team to bowl at the body. Would you say that again? We should find what we need in these trees. It isn't against the rules, you know. There are other rules in life besides those that are written down. They sent me over here to win. To win at any cost. This should do for us. Can you take that end? Uh, to be ruthless. Every time I go to bat, I feel like I'm really going to war. Well, that's not the way I play the game, Douglas. <laughs> because you don't play it to my standard. When you play a game at the highest level, winning is all that matters. People talk about sport bringing nations together. And that's the job of diplomacy. Treaties. Sport pits nation against nation and determines the winner. It's certainly a point of view. The last time we toured Australia, the crowds were vile. I was taunted and abused. I vowed, then, to come back and win. To bring those animals to heal. To overpower their weakness with my strength. Until the universe kneels before the might of the Dalek Empire. Oh, no. Doctor, you dropped it. Is the branch too heavy for you? What? Can you carry the branch? I don't want to leave the women too long. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I can carry it. We should get back. 
Your father and I stayed somewhere like this once. Where? Lake Windermere. Mother, this is nothing like Lake Windermere. Well, it was a little cottage rather than a shack, and I suppose there was less chance of running across a cobra, but there was certainly a lake. What I wouldn't give to be back by Lake Windermere. Such fine fishing. I don't suppose you can fish, Doctor? It has been known. Doctor? You're thinking... Only about things that don't fit. Angus aged like that. The shape of the land having altered, and... Uh... The statue. That's what you were going to say, isn't it? Yes, you mentioned a statue I'd forgotten. Mother and I saw one. Then it disappeared. It was made of steel. You don't need to bother him with that. Perhaps I should decide what information is relevant rather than you. Oh? Are you a detective now? As and when I need to be. I think you should both cut it out. Now. I agree with Flora. There's someone outside. That's impossible. Mummy? It's the lullaby I sang you when you were a child. It's not just the lullaby. It's your voice. It can't be. Of course not. Are you quite sure, Flora? You're in here with us, Mummy, but that's you out there singing. I'm going to take a look. No, Douglas. No one around. Inexplicable. Very few things are truly inexplicable. Then tell us how it happened. I can't. But the Aboriginal people believe in songlines. What have Aborigines got to do with this? Tell us about them, Doctor. They think this country was sung into existence, that once there were great beings who walked this continent singing. The power of their song shaped the land and brought everything that lives into being. You certainly wouldn't hear that in an English Sunday school. We have a song in the wrong place, and land that's in the wrong place. That's why my TARDIS has disappeared. I think we've heard enough of all that, Doctor. My advice to you ladies is to forget all about it. Sleeping here will be hard enough without letting your mind dwell on myths and ghost stories. My mother isn't here. What? Wait here. She was lying on my coat. It's still warm. Flora, I can't see her. What have you done with her, you fiend? I think I should ask you the same question. What have you done with her, Dalek? So many innocent people throughout time and space. How many more have to die? You're delusional. Douglas, please. You need to find my mother. I'm not leaving him alone with you like this. It isn't safe. I should tie him up. We may not have time for that. Flora, grab the water bottle. If he moves towards you, hit him with it as hard as you can and scream. I'll run straight back, Doctor, and don't be in any doubt about my readiness to kill you. Oh, I know exactly what you lot are capable of. Don't take your eyes off him. Flora, you know I couldn't possibly cause any harm to you or your mother. You know that. 
Don't make this more difficult than it is, Doctor. Please, don't move. Whatever you wish. I just want you to make the right decisions in your own interests and in hers. My mother's missing. And Douglas knows what's best. Douglas, yes. There's so much I want to know about Douglas and what he's up to. He's not up to anything. He's a decent man. How long have you known him? A few months. We met at the Governor's Ball, the Governor of New South Wales. And what were your first impressions? He was... is... a proper English gentleman. Like the sort we knew before emigrating. I know people think he's cold, a, a bit bloodless. Inhuman? That's only the sportsman. There's a whole other side to him. Yes, that's what worries me. What are you getting at? You've never noticed anything odd about him. He's Douglas Jardine. There's nothing that's not odd about him. And whatever the rest of Australia says, I wouldn't want him to be any different. Flora, you know him better than I do. Ask yourself, is he all he seems to be? Douglas! She was in the woods. She's in the most dreadful state. Oh, clothes are in tatters. Mercy. What did you see, Mrs. Coldwood? Give her some water. Mercy, mercy! Mrs. Coldwood? No, mercy! Her voice. The heat. It must have affected her vocal cords. No. This planet is ours! What's she saying? It isn't her that's saying it. Destroy all enemies! She's not making any sense. I should hope not. Flora, take the bottles and go to the lake. Bring some water back for your mother. Douglas! You may be a doctor, but you're not a medical man, are you? This woman's clearly suffering from sunstroke. Douglas, if there's anything human about you left, you must stop this. Cheap abuse, Doctor. I stood up to it from the crowds at Adelaide. I can certainly take it from you. Our day is at hand! Flora, water! Yes. Flora, think about my question. I'm sorry, Doctor. We bring doctors! Douglas, if there is a way to save this woman's life, you have to tell us. We can give her water. Tell me who you really are. Darkness! You hear that voice? You spoke to me last night with that same voice. The voice of a creature from another world. A brutal, ruthless creature that will wipe out anything standing in the path of victory. I am not engaging with these absurd fantasies. Darkness! Whatever humanity is in you, use it to fight that voice. For Mrs. Calderwood, for Flora, that voice brings with it only terror, violence and murder. Murder! You did this, Doctor. You brought this chaos down on all of us. The chaos surrounds you, Douglas. You're at its centre, because you don't belong here, not in 1933, and not in Australia. The local cricketing public have made their feelings plain about that. What happened to Angus? The shifting of the land, the song in the night, and now this. The laws of time and space have been broken. This is how they reassert themselves. Everything must perish! Introduce bacteria into the human body, and the immune system reacts. It creates antibodies to fight off the intruder. Darkness! You're the intruder, Douglas. You don't belong here. And now everything that surrounds us is trying to shrug you off. Flora! Damn you, Doctor. Flora! Flora, come back! The other bank is nearer now. The lake's closing in on itself. Flora! Her clothes. Stacked in such a neat pile. If they've done anything to her. It's all too late, Douglas. Flora! She's here. Somewhere, she's here. Flora, we're here! We can find you! She can't hear. I'm sure it had an eye. Somehow it seemed to be looking right through me. She said that before, after she saw the statue. A statue which seemed to have one terrible eye. Yes, that fits. Flora, where are you? 
Tell us where you are! <laughs> You're out of your way, Doctor. Echoes. A voice from the past carried forward in time. A ghost, if you like. That's all. But where is she? I think she's gone. It had an eye. It seemed to look right through me. To hell with you. Mrs. Calderwood! Mrs. Calderwood! Douglas, please, listen. Empty. How is it empty? Where can the old woman have gone? We were only outside. Now, please, try to be calm. I don't know what's happened, and I don't know if it can be undone, but I'm certain about this. If we can get Flora and Mrs. Calderwood back, you're the only person who knows how. Whoever you are, get out of my way. I am a gentleman, and I don't want to use force. Whatever they've done to you, we can break through it together. <coughs> Flora! Mrs. Calderwood! Prepared to resort to physical violence. Well, they got that right about him, at least. <laughs> Douglas! Flora! I know you're here! Speak to me! Please, Douglas, I can help. Go to hell, Doctor. Flora! They're not on the mountain. If you talk to me, we could find the answer. Flora! Cry out to me, darling. I'll find you. You have to listen. Oh, oh, oh. A precipice? How can we be so high? I told you, the land is shifting around us. So, you have me cornered. I only want to talk. I should have known Australia would be the death of me. Come on, then. Do to me whatever you did to the women. None of this is my doing. You surely realize that. I'm a Christian man, sir. Is this his judgment on me? I ordered my bowlers to aim at the body. It seems a small crime to deserve so great a punishment. You are not Douglas Jardine. I know that I am. Whatever else you take away from me, you can't take that. Oh, you think you are. You'll have his memories as well as his personality, but you're not the real Jardine. I expect the real Jardine is waking up right now in a hotel in Sydney, thinking about his plans for the next test. What about Flora and Mrs Calderwood? And poor Angus. Maybe it's the same for them. I don't know. I don't know whether they're part of the plan or innocents who got caught in the way. But you know, Douglas. Somewhere in your mind, you've got that information. Tell me, Douglas. Tell me. Oh. Oh. Ah. Ah. The land is changing again. A blue hut? What? Yes. The path. It's come back. Douglas, I need to get you into the TARDIS. The shielding might help to break your conditioning. Douglas? Douglas! Disappeared. At last, Flora's steel statue. Darkness! They've all disappeared. All of them. Darkness! But I suppose you know that already. Darkness falls across the land. A design. It's different. All bolts and bronze. What are you? An advanced model? I will stop this. Whatever it is, I will stop it. Rest your head upon your hand. Have you planned for this, or is it out of your control? Rest your head and close your eyes. This is what happens when you meddle with time. Time's like a thread. You pull on it, the whole thing unravels. Till the morning when we rise. No, wait. You can't just fade away. Tell me. Was this supposed to be a trap? Were any of those people real? 
Or were they just phantoms? What have you done to time that's made all this happen? You can go now, but I'll pick up your temporal trace. I want answers. You've been listening to Doctor Who, Shadow the Daleks, Aimed at the Body, written by James Kettle. The Doctor was played by Peter Davison, Douglas, Jamie Parker, Flora, Anjali Mahindra, Mrs Calderwood, Dervla Kerwin, the Daleks, Nicholas Briggs, other roles played by members of the cast. Director, Ken Bentley, producer, David Richardson, sound designer, music, Wilfredo Acosta, script editor, John Dorney, executive producers, Nicholas Briggs and Jason Haig-Ellery. You're listening to a Big Finish production. Speaking. Welcome to interstellar flight B219. We will be cruising at 0.6 of the speed of light and with a good solar tailwind we should be arriving at Keppel Major in just under three hours. Flight attendants will be around shortly to take lunch orders. So from all at Dogstar Express, please relax and enjoy the flight. Hmm. Well, this all looks Perfectly civilized. Not exactly what I'd expect from the Daleks. So, where are they? Can I help you, sir? What? You look a little lost. Mrs. Calderwood. I beg your pardon? Mrs. Calderwood. 
What on earth are you doing here? Uh, not that we're on Earth. I, I wouldn't have expected you to be capable of following a temporal trace. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I think you might be a little delirious, sir. You're not her. But your face, it's... Ah, uh, yes. Uh, delirious, right. Sorry, just, um, <laughs> space sickness. Nerves, I expect. I'm sorry to hear that. Ever since we took off, I've been in the... <laughs> well, you can guess. Can I get you anything? A stress-blocking patch, perhaps? No, no, no. It's all right. Um, I, I, I'm much better now. Then can I show you to your seat? Yes. Yes, of course. If I could have your seat number on your boarding card. Ah, yes. Little accident. You see, when I was in the... Um, <laughs> I accidentally dropped it in the... Um, waste disposal unit. I see. Fortunately, we have several spare seats, so... Yes, I'll take, um, well, this one. Next to... You. Hello? Flora. You talking about plants? Well, the voice is different, at least. Interesting. Uh, is anyone sitting here? Uh, no, no, you're welcome. Just remember, if you do start to feel unwell... Uh, I know sick bag under the seat in front. <laughs> oh, while you're here... Yes? I'll have the fish. Very good, sir. Flight attendants. I can't seem to escape them. Nervous flyer. <laughs> Something like that. I have this dreadful fear, you see, that uh, I'm going to die crashing into a planet. <laughs> well, I think that's quite unlikely. There aren't any planets in interstellar space. <laughs> yes. And I mean... They're not exactly hard to miss, are they? No, not exactly, no. <laughs> I'm the doctor, by the way. Oh, <laughs> the doctor? Uh, yes. I must say, it doesn't usually get a laugh. I'm sorry, but doctor? Suffering from space sickness? Oh, yes. I appreciate the irony. <laughs> I'm Cathy Defoe. Yes, you are, aren't you? Different people, but with the same faces. What's happening here? Physiological scan confirms identification. Activate override protocol. Accelerating to 0.5 of LS. Nice and smooth. That's the thing about the new Lambda class. The engine response. None of the flux choking you get with... Captain Varese, there's something odd with the computer. What is it? A system override subroutine has just activated. What? But that's impossible. There's... Is everything all right? Oh. oh, my... Oh, no! Oh, no! So, why the trip to Keppel, Cathy? Business? Pleasure? I visit my sister. She's married with a husband and kids now, so not really business or pleasure. <laughs> What about you? Oh, just seeing the sights. I'm a kind of accidental tourist. This is a passenger announcement. If there are any medical professionals on board, could they please come to the bridge immediately? Thank you. Oh, sounds like you're wanted. What? You said you were a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor. I'm the doctor. Now, if you'll excuse me, duty calls. And you haven't touched anything? No. No. Then I recommend you don't. These men were electrocuted. 
And I'm sorry, but they need a mortician more than a doctor. They're dead? Exterminated. So it's happening here too. But is it their plan or a side effect? But without a captain or a co-pilot... Ah, yes, well... Fortunately, I have some experience in that area. I suggest you stand well back. What? Why? In case the controls are still live. Well, I still am, so it seems they're not. What are you doing? Just powering down the engines. Then we can send us this... Six preservers. Ah, the last one. I was wondering when you'd turn up. I beg your pardon. Excuse me, sir, but passengers are not allowed on the bridge. I'm not going anywhere until I get an explanation. And who might you be, exactly? Monsignor Plummer. Monsignor, you're a priest. I happen to be Lord Colclub's personal confessor, and as such I am entitled to know what is going on. I have no idea who Lord Colclub is, and frankly I don't care, but if you want to know what's going on, I'm trying to switch off the engines. Good. Thank you, I see. And they're not responding. What? In fact, they're overloading. The power output is increasing. Exponentially. What does that mean? It means the flux reactor will go critical and explode. Oh, but why are the engines overloading? I don't know. I have a feeling it's something to do with some old enemies of mine, but I would very much like to find out for sure. <laughs> it's all because of you, Doctor. Who was that? That was the ship's computer, Orson. What do you mean, because of me? I am following a protocol installed in memory of Rock Lucifer. Who? Rock Lucifer. You must have heard of him, surely. No, and don't call me... Who is Rock Lucifer? Oh, it's some sort of gangster or something, wasn't he? He died about ten years ago when his base blew up. His whole operation was shut down overnight. I see. And you, Orson, think I might have had something to do with it? Your biometric profile is a match for the person responsible. Ah, of course. I must admit it does sound like the sort of thing I would do. Or rather, the sort of thing I will do. You mentioned an old enemy. Yes, but not this one. How many do you have? Too many to list now. But why is this protocol installed in this ship's computer? Before Rock Lucifer was killed, he created a command virus to spread undetected through every computer in the galaxy, with one instruction, to take revenge on the Doctor. Retribution from beyond the grave. But how is killing the Captain and co-pilot taking revenge? It is the Doctor's ultimate nightmare, being forced to watch innocent people die, powerless to save them. It's not enough to kill me, it has to make me suffer first. You mean, we're all going to die because of you? Not yet, because I can channel the power out of the reactor and into the warp drive. Yes, but now we're accelerating. Yes, and we will keep on accelerating unless I can find some way of shutting down the reactor. Oh, don't tell me you have some experience in that area too. Not really, but I'm a fast learner. I'll need you to come with me. A Monsignor Plummer. Yes? You look like a man who's always wanted to drive a spaceship. What? But I... I have no idea how... I, it's I perfectly mean... simply You just sit there, hold the joystick, but... and if you see a planet, try to avoid it. You can't... Good luck. We're all counting on you. Flight attendant? Yes? Could you lock the bridge door after us? I'm sure our new pilot doesn't want to be disturbed. Or you want to make sure he doesn't try to leave. Well, that too. I'm just hoping you don't start disappearing again. Eh? Ah, uh, figure of speech. Take me to the engine room. There's nothing you can do, Doctor. You can't escape the inevitable. Lucifer will be avenged. Yes, thank you for that. 
but unfortunately, it's correct. I can't deactivate the reactor. I can't even cut off the fuel. Doctor, are you there? Uh, yes. How's it going up front? Not great. I thought you should know. We've just reached the speed of light. What? But this ship isn't designed for light speed. Then I recommend you cross your fingers because it's going to keep accelerating. We can't slow down. Not without blowing the engines. The moment this ship drops below light speed, they will explode. Oh, there must be something we can do. What about the escape pods? Sorry, I ejected them all. Lucifer <laughs> will be avenged. Yes, you don't need to keep on about it. There is another way out. My ship. Your ship? It's parked in the off floating bay. Come on! Calling you flight attendant. What's your name? Yost McCormick. Right. Yost, good. I like short names. Saves time. The TARDIS is just too. Oh, Doctor! Yost! Oh, take my hand! I'll, I'll bring you back! Just hold on while I. Yes, but I wouldn't start celebrating just yet. That was the only way down to the afterloading bay. So we can't reach my TARDIS, if it's still there. Don't worry, Doctor. I only destroyed the access corridor. Your TARDIS is still on board, safe and sound. You just can't use it to save anyone. Doctor? Ah, the Reverend. How are you doing? You've got to help me, Doctor. I'm flying blind up here. Don't worry. Interstellar space should be relatively clear of obstacles. Relatively clear? What about the Keppel asteroid field? Where... Hey, you're not allowed... Plumber? Plumber! Oh, no. Now what? Look, this isn't a good time. We're in a spot of trouble here. Yes. Both the flight crew dead. And a vicar at the wheel. So the best thing you can do is return to your seat. No. I'll tell you what I want. You're going to change course to Zetan Leperis. What? Change course. Now. But why... why would I do that? Do I have to spell it out? This is a hijack. Yes, the captain is aware that we have broken light speed. Now... If you will excuse me, I'm needed on the bridge. You're doing very well. Oh, all part of flight attendant training. Don't panic the passengers, even if you're all going to die. What on... What is it? Ah, the bridge door. It's locked from the inside. And it's duralinium alloy. There's no way we can break it down. Then it's just as well I have an override key, isn't it? Either you change course now, or I will break your neck. But I, I don't know how. Well, then you better find out, haven't you? Stay back, both of you, or the curate dies. <laughs> Defoe, what do you think you're doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm taking control. Yes, but why? What for? I'm afraid I wasn't being completely honest with you before, Doctor. My name isn't Cathy Defoe. That's just the identity I used to get onto this flight. Then who are you? Jan Gudrun. Lunar Penal Colony, inmate number EX-33. An escaped convict? And I would rather die than go back. Our friend's on Zeta Leperis, so if we won't take me there, maybe one of you can. Let Monsignor Plummer go and we'll discuss it. No, let's talk about it now, while I have a hostage. But even if we could change course, it wouldn't do any good. We can't slow this ship down. <laughs> You're lying. No, we're not. 
And we are currently heading straight for the Keppel asteroid field. Well, there's nothing on the forward scanner. Well, that's because we're travelling faster than the speed of light. By the time we see the asteroid field, we'll already have gone through it. Or into it. It should be hours away. Not at the speed we're going. Take a look at the navigation grid, if you don't believe me. You must think I was born yesterday. No, but I think you'll die very soon if you don't look at the navigation grid. Oh, no. It was... Let the priest go. Let him go. You can't make me. Oh, oh. Oh, praise the saints. Praise the saints. Don't thank the saints. Thank me. Thank you. Yes. What exactly did you do, Yost? Stress blocker patch to the back of the neck. Instant deep relaxing sleep. Another thing they teach you in flight attendant school? I'd happily tell you all about it, but we're currently flying towards an asteroid field at twice the speed of light. Yes, good point. <clears throat> I'll have to calculate a route based on probabilities. You mean luck? I mean guesswork. Hello, this is your new captain speaking. Strap yourselves in and hold tight. Here goes. Speed of light. If we're seeing it, I already have. There. There. We're out of the asteroid field, but not quite out of the woods. We're still accelerating. 2.4 times the speed of light. 2.5. That doesn't sound good. It must need unlimited power. Oh, great. You're doing it too. I'm sorry? Doing what? You mean you couldn't hear? So. Not exactly the same as before. More real, perhaps. Best on the side of caution. Uh, look, uh, there's enough bodies littering this control room. Is there somewhere you could take our unconscious friend? We don't have a break, but I can knock her in the security hold. That sounds perfect. Uh, probably going to get a few questions from the passengers, though. Well, you know what to do. What? Just ask them if they want to be next. I might try that. <laughs> What did you mean, Doctor, not out of the woods? It's an old Earth expression. It means to get us out of the asteroid field, I had to alter course randomly. So? Check the navigation grid. Well, I don't see. There's nothing... Oh. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm afraid we're now heading directly towards a black hole. You fell asleep while trying to hijack a spaceship. You? Oh! Ah, uh, yeah. I took the precaution of binding your ankles and wrists. You can never be too careful. You're keeping me prisoner. In a luggage hold. What's the most secure part of the ship, where we keep the most valuable cargo? I'm on it. I... What are those? What? In the cage. They look like giant metal eggs. No idea. They must belong to one of the passengers. I hope you're not scared of the dark. Why? Because the lights turn off when I close the door. Five hundred million! At the speed we're going, we'll be in the event horizon in another minute. Yes, I do realise that. Well, can't you steer around it? No chance. We'd never escape its gravitational pull. Our only chance is to accelerate. What? Accelerate and slingshot around the singularity, which should give us just enough momentum to escape the event horizon. Should? Well, it's not an exact science. Make a wish, 
It doesn't matter what you do, Doctor. You cannot escape the vengeance of Lucifer. trajectory perpendicular to the galactic plane. We're heading into intergalactic space. No stars. Oh. No asteroid fields, no black holes. Nothing but... Well, nothing, really. All we have to do is to sit back and wait until the reactor runs out of fuel. I don't believe it. We're safe. Wrong. This is when your troubles really begin. Doctor, it says here there's... Electrical activity in the security hold. But that's where I left Jan Gudrun. Can you open up a comms link? Those eggs, what are they? Just jeweled eggs, aren't they? No, they're part of Lord Cold Club's collection of prohibited life forms. What sort of prohibited life forms? Robots. Flying, recycling parasites. A swarm of them can eat through anything, any metal, like piranhas. Flying robot piranhas on a spaceship, and Yan is trapped in the hold with them. We have to get her out of there. What? I mean, endanger the whole ship just to save one criminal? It's what I do. I save everyone, whether they deserve it or not. Yes, but they are hatching. Even one is too many. The other eggs, sir, they're breaking. Try to keep them occupied while I release our friend. How are we supposed to do that? Doctor, I'm sorry. I... You have to understand. I... It's all right. All is forgiven. Just hold still. There. Oh, Doctor, they're swarming. All right, let's get out of here. realize that door won't keep them out for more than a few minutes. I do, but at least it will buy us some time. To do what? I don't know. Any ideas? But we can at least move the passengers forward to the other end of the ship. And for all the good it will do, all the escape pods have gone and the ship's computer is determined to kill everyone. Well, that's a spirit. Look on the bright side. Kill everyone. Of course. Yost, Plummer, move the passengers. Jan, with me. Hello, Orson, ship's computer. I'd like a word. What is it you wish to discuss, Doctor? Your instructions are to subject me to my ultimate nightmare. Powerless to save innocent lives, correct? 
That is correct. Nothing more, nothing less. I do not understand. No, but I'm beginning to. Because you destroyed the corridor leading to my ship, rather than ejecting it into space. Now, you wouldn't do that without good reason, and the only good reason can be that your orders are not to kill me. It's not answering. Because it's not allowed to tell me I'm right. If it's programmed to ensure I survive this, that means there is a way back to the TARDIS. But I thought you said the corridor was destroyed. I did. The only way I could get there would be with an emergency short-range teleport. There's a teleport on board. And there's only one place it can be. In the computer itself. The server room. Quite. Which can only be accessed with a security code, and you'd know all about those, wouldn't you? Me? You managed to get onto this bridge through that door, which can only mean that one of the skills that put you behind bars was hacking security systems. Am I right? Yes. Yes, you're right. Then what are you waiting for? Show me what you can do. There hasn't been a door built that I can't open, and there it is. The emergency teleport. You've seen one before? In my line of work. Getting in and out of places. Yes, I shouldn't have asked. The problem is, the teleport will only activate when I'm the only one left alive. Could all passengers please proceed to the forward cabins as quickly as possible, please? My Lord Colcrum, I wouldn't suggest this if it wasn't strictly That's necessary. It. It's a matter of your personal no, safety. No, 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 there is no... Oh no, the piranhas, they're getting in. Everyone, move forward as fast as you can. Quickly. They didn't save you. They have to get out of here. Yes, they do have shots. exactly are we trying to do? It's quite simple. The programme states that only the Doctor may leave. And there's no way of overriding, deleting or bypassing it. And we just need to broaden its definition of Doctor. It didn't identify me by my appearance because, uh, well, that has a habit of changing. It identified me by my biometric profile, so I might be able to trick it into believing everyone on board is me. How? By giving them my genetic imprint. And how do you propose to do that? We don't have time to give everyone blood transfusions. Please, try to remain calm. Panicking won't help. It's hard not to, those things out there. They've eaten their way through the whole passenger section. Hello, everyone. If I could have your attention. Be quiet! Thank you. Uh, I have good news and bad news. The good news is there's a teleport on board which can transport all of you to my ship. What's the bad news? Um, I'm going to have to give each of you a peck on the cheek. It's not working. We're still here. The computer won't activate the teleport until it believes I am the only one left alive, so it won't kick in until every single person has had the genetic transfer. And you're the only one left. What? So long as it does the trick. This is better. Those piranhas... So, Doctor, you have failed to save a single life. You have been forced to watch powerless as everyone died, all because of you. Yes, I'm rather annoyed about that, to be honest. But you shall be spared the release of death. You will be returned to your craft, 
To face the vengeance of Rock Lucifer again someday. Lucifer will be avenged! <laughs> well, if you say so. Activate Delve. Doctor successfully teleported to TARDIS. No organic life signs on board. Protocol completed. What is happening? There are robot parasites inside the servant chamber. They are eating my brain. Flux reactor critical. Come up. Come up. Here you are, Keppel Minor. Slightly ahead of schedule. By three days? Yes. I try not to mention that, or indeed anything else that happened on the flight. It's going to be difficult to explain how we got here. Oh, I'm sure they wouldn't doubt the word of a man of the cloth, Monsignor Plummer. You're very modest. You just saved our lives, Doctor. I just put your lives in danger, or I will. Well, you know what I mean. But can I ask a very small favour? Yes. What is it? You've been given a chance for a brand new start, so try to stay out of trouble. That said, if you could write some sort of computer virus to delete Rock Lucifer's program, that would be very much appreciated. Consider it done. But what about defeating Lucifer himself? Oh, I'm afraid he'll have to wait. I'm in the middle of something else right now. And to be honest, I'm not in any particular hurry to meet him. He sounds dreadful. This something else, is it your old enemies? Perhaps. Their influence was different here. I'm not entirely sure what's happening, what they're up to. But I have to follow their trail until I find out. Even if it kills me. You have been listening to Doctor Who, Shadow of the Daleks, Lightspeed, written by Jonathan Morris. The Doctor was played by Peter Davison, Jost McCormack, Dervla Kerwin, Kathy Defoe, Angeli Mahindra, Monsignor Plummer, Jamie Parker, Orson, Glenn McCready. The Daleks, Nicholas Briggs. Other roles played by members of the cast. Director, Ken Bentley. Producer, David Richardson. Sound design and music, Wilfredo Acosta. Script editor, John Dorney. Executive Producers Nicholas Briggs and Jason Hay Gallery.
You're listening to a Big Finish production. Mr. Dale? Elroy? If I want another pint, I'll ask for one. Oh, suit yourself. I would, if you'd let me read my book. The Caves of Steel. Any good? That's what I'm trying to find out. Oh, fine. You other two want a drink? Hello? Um, uh, maybe you want to finish in Labour Economics. There's some fascinating stuff here. It's three for two on non-fiction. I'm aware of that. Good. I'm not a charity. Or a shelter from the storm? Everyone's sake. Oh, well, come in if you're coming. But shut the blasted door. Sorry. I, I got a bit lost in the... Uh... Oh, is this a thermostat? Don't touch. It takes an age to set it just right. If you want to dry out, come over by the fire. Thank you. There may be a book or something to drink. Oh, I'd like that. Yes, that is better. Hello, I I'm... Oh, dear. You've forgotten your name? Clumsy of me, I know. Not the least bit credible. Don't mind Elroy. He's meant to be reading his book. You don't need a name in here. Thank you. Uh, do you have a... Diana Wright. Everyone knows me as Di. This is my place. It's very nice. Um, what is it, exactly? What it looks like. A shop. Second-hand books. Nineteen types of cider. What can I get you? I don't know. Well, how about I put the kettle on? Um, maybe. Yes. It's all right. It's not an interrogation. Well, of course I wanted to know who he was. Young, healthy, even athletic. But notably, not in uniform. I knew there was something wrong about him the moment he stumbled in. I mean, he, he seemed confused and helpless, but I knew he threatened us all. So I appeared friendly as I interrogated him. Have you come far? I don't know. <sighs> the state of your clothes. You were out in the storm for a long time. Time is coming apart. A war to end all wars, taking all of us with it. Sorry, what was that? Um. Something important. Out in the storm, I think I was trying to find someone. Find who? Don't tell me. I... I don't know. Well, we have people here. Perhaps it's one of them. I can introduce you. I already met Elroy. Mr. Dale, if you must address me at all. Oh, come on. Let's leave him be. Don't mind Elroy. Just wants to read his book. The Caves of Steel. They're not so much caves as domed cities. Then you do remember something. This is Frank, Reichenbach. Be nice to him, Frank. Maybe I can help. No sign of head trauma. The retrograde amnesia was likely brought on by stress. Unless you're simply feigning. Are you a doctor? Perish the thought. 
But I'd like to keep myself informed. Strictly non-fiction, our Frank. I deal solely in facts. The unvarnished truth, whether we like it or not. <laughs> Do you two know each other? Do we? I don't think so, no. You don't remember anything? That's rather the problem. I don't know. You remember how to speak. And the book Elroy's reading. Yes, that's odd. We could try other books, see what they trigger. You mean they might help him remember who he is? Yes. Yes, they might. Thank you. We'll soon uncover the truth. I'd seen this sort of thing before. Claims of amnesia, fatigue, stress-related disorders. Some are feigning. They hope they'll be missed off the index if they don't have a name. Then they can safely disappear. Maybe this man was genuine. But I know how the system treats you if you're anonymous. A non-person. With no record of achievement or usefulness. No evidence your life is worth sparing. I thought that would be a waste of resources. An otherwise healthy young man. The sooner I could get him fixed, the sooner he could go back to the front line. There's a lot on geography, natural history. But let's see how you fare up here with the proper sciences. Natural history is improper science. It involves more theory, belief. In your opinion. Oh, very good. Yes, clever. But can your intelligence be applied? I don't know. Something challenging that'll show us who you are. Mathematics. Physics. Don't let him bully you. It's only a test. Then why are you shaking? Look at your hands. Oh. Yes, now you say it. This textbook on ballistics includes a mock exam. No. What? Oh, you really, you're not right. I don't know why I'm so anxious about a test. It's not the test. It's the window. Oh, this, this is Madeline. Our resident poet. I'm not a poet yet. You don't know her either. I don't think so. Hello. Why would I be terrified of a window? It's a conceit, some kind of metaphor. Oh, Frank, leave her alone. Please, do you know what's happening to me? You're scared because you're getting closer to the window. Yes. That's it. I take a step back and I feel better. Is it something to do with the glass? I think it's whatever's out there. Why? What's out there? The storm. Yes. A storm raging through all of time and... and... And something else. Whatever you're trying not to remember. You think I'm doing this to myself? Maybe not consciously. It's psychosomatic. You mean it's all in my head? But that doesn't make the impact any less real. Or serious. It's all right. Nothing can harm you in here. She's right. But what about out there? I... I don't know. The moment I think I have it, it's gone. Sorry. It's all right. I believe you. Of course I didn't believe him. None of us did. But he was plainly on the edge of a precipice. The slightest push and he'd go over. I know the signs of shell shock, the shakes, the numb terror that they can't articulate. Seen it happen to the best and bravest. No shame should be attached. But with him, there was something else. Something badly wrong. Perhaps if I'd confronted him directly, we might not have... Well, it's too late now. You don't recognise Frank or Madeline? I don't know. You do seem a bit familiar. Do you remember me? I'm afraid not. Why would he be looking for us? We're no one special, are we? No. Build a girl's confidence, why don't you? Well, I didn't mean... I mean, in the scheme of things. 
You're no doubt special in your own way. Such a romantic. I wasn't trying to be romantic. I observe Madeline with respectful detachment. You observe her a lot. What? He looks at you almost twice the amount he looks at me or die. I don't. Oh, you can't argue with a fact. Well, we're all looking now. Oh, oh, stop, stop. It's making the poor girl uncomfortable. Really? I know it's stupid. Not at all. Um, Mr. Reichenbach. Mr. Frank, then. You said you deal solely in facts. Absolutely. Nothing slippery with facts. So you've no interest in Madeline's poetry? Well, it's not personal. I'm not one for poetry, per se. Oh, it's fine. Honestly, I don't let people see what I write. That's a shame. After all, what is poetry but an attempt to express, to, to share an idea? Very much an attempt. We can bear that in mind if you'll share one of your ideas. Then Frank will tell you what he likes about your poetry. What? Why should I? I don't know about poetry. Just a statement of fact. What you liked? Anything at all? I think Madeline would find that helpful. Well, if I can be of some use. And the poem might trigger something in me. And I'm sure Di would like to hear it. I can't think of anything better. So, mutual benefit. Please. I suppose so. I mean, it's not very good. This is, um, <clears throat> this is what I've been working on. <clears throat> dawn again. Beautiful dawn. The sky pink over the battlefield. Breakfast in the trenches. A clank of tin mugs. A last brief sip of warmth before eternal cold. Morning again. I am mourning. Not for the fallen. For myself. For what's coming. Dawn light, sparkling on metal. The enemy's armor. A vast, implacable sea. Then the tide is rushing in, fast. Relentless. A great wave breaking over us. That was very... Frank, what did you think? Um... I, I don't usually... Um, but that was... atmospheric. Vivid. Thank you. There's a trick to it, I'm sure. A combination of emotive, evocative words, but I was almost there. We all were. Are you all right? I remember something. The war. A war. I shouldn't even be part of. Not this early, but there it is. Out there. You mean in the storm? Frank is in military uniform. Well, yes. So what? And you're not? No. But the poem is first-hand experience. What? No, not at all. Not even second-hand. I made it up. Oh. There was something about your hand. She can't have been there. I mean, in the poem, no one survives. That implacable enemy breaking over them. No. Of course. Um, sorry. I think you could do with a drink. Yes, good idea. I meant him, but maybe we all could come on. It's all right. It'll come clear in time. 
There is something. I'm almost there. It's like... It's like... They're all ghosts haunting an old bookshop. Nice idea, but no. You were right, though. The poem triggered something. That implacable enemy, yes. Mm. Gotta respect an enemy like that. Oof, not all this again, Elroy. Well, I'm just saying. Well, don't. It's what you want in an army. Strength, determination. Reichenbach agrees with me. Frank isn't here. They seem to have paused in non-fiction. Who? Oh, those two. Yeah, they, they might be starting to be. You don't approve? I don't... I don't want anyone hurt. That's exactly the problem with this war. We have to be ruthless, crush the other lot, exterminate them. What did you say? Them or us. We have to. No, but you said... Yes, he said we, but Elroy's not volunteering himself. I would, given half a chance, but my condition turned down for active service. His condition is that he's frightened of his own shadow. What people are afraid of, they try to destroy. Yes, good. Destroy the enemy and then live free of fear. We've met before, haven't we? I recognise something. The attitude. I don't know your face, and there's nothing wrong with my attitude. It's abhorrent. Whatever you're doing, I'll stop you. I beg your pardon? Who do you think you are? He doesn't know. Elroy, read your book. You heard what he just said? And I'll deal with it. Read your book. And you, over here. Drink this. I don't normally... Drink. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. Saw red. Just for a moment. But now the moment's passed. Yes. I do think there's something. Hush. Stop unsettling my customers. We like it friendly in here. Ma'am. Those two are still getting friendly. Madeline and Frank? Yeah, there's something there. Pity. Pity? Didn't you notice her hand? Ah, oh, that. What about her hand? Elroy, you're not part of this conversation. Didn't want to be anyway. I'm right, aren't I? But look at her. Doesn't seem to make any difference. And who are we to judge them or stand in their way? Exactly. Though it's always the quiet ones. There is also that. There's what? She's not really timid at all. Her bearing, she stands like a soldier. Ah, oh, how does such a stand? Not tense, exactly, but poised for trouble. She's been through her share of it, too. You can see that in her eyes. So the poem is based on her own experience. That's why you got her to read it. Not for your benefit. You wanted to expose her. I was horrified. I mean, was he right? Can you tell just by looking that someone is a soldier? The qualities of character, of outlook and competence are probably innate. There are definite soldier types. But I didn't think you could tell just by looking at someone. Did he know? Did the doctor see right through me? I was never meant to be a soldier. It just, it wasn't me. But it's still my fault they died. I've upset you. Sorry. Though I'm not entirely sure how. I'm not upset. You're the one whose hands shake. When I was near the window. They're fine now, see? Oh. The whole point of this place is meant to be that you don't feel anxious. That I'm letting the side down. Yes. I'll make more of an effort. I don't feel anxious despite the shakes. I feel fine. 
We're still a bit wet from the storm. Go stand by the fire. I'm not sure Elroy would like that. Why not? What are you saying now? Nothing, nothing. See? Just don't wind him up. Go on. So we clear space for... Two more of these, please, Doc. Of course. And one for you? Oh, I'm fine as I am. I'll have one, since you're asking. Uh, yes, of course. Will you join us, Doc? Uh, in a mo, I've got one or two things to be doing. Oh, and I need to be, um, over here. I thought you wanted to be by the fire. Yes, but just after I've... I've been over here. <laughs> these controls are really quite interesting. Don't touch the thermostat. Of course not. Just admiring. Man's an idiot. They're up to something. They're keeping out of our way. Trying to be encouraging. Encouraging of what? It's a mystery, isn't it? Cheers. Um, this is awkward. Everyone's watching. We're not watching. Or listening. Well then, uh, um... (laughs) I don't know what to say. But then you're the one with the gift for words. I can write things down, shunt them round the page, but when it's out loud... You do fine. Um... This is agonising and stupid. Read your book. How is it stupid? Don't rise to it. I want to know. How is it stupid? Because you can't be with her. Now, wait. He's the one who saw it. Haven't you noticed her hand? It's really none of our business. What about my... Oh... Madeline, I don't understand. Yes, you do. She's wearing a wedding ring. I hated Elroy Dale. Utterly hated him. Not for what he told Frank. My wedding ring wasn't a secret. But Elroy took pleasure in pain. He saw what was happening, what could have been happening, and he decided to spoil it. So much going on, so much misery and grief. And he wanted to make it that little bit worse. I hated him. And I didn't mean to, but I reached for my gun. My hand grasped empty air. Of course I didn't have it. I wasn't even in uniform. Luckily for him. So... I I think you're mistaken, Mr Dale. It's just a ring. Of no particular significance. Yes, there are different traditions. A gold ring on that particular finger. It still doesn't have to mean anything. I thought you dealt in facts. Madeline. Don't put her on the spot. Madeline. Uh, I... Says everything, doesn't it? Elroy, you don't have to enjoy this. I don't, but all this play-acting. What are you looking at? You. You're play-acting too. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe not. But I recognise the attitude and what you really are. He's the one you're trying to find. No, but I know him, his kind... My what? I think we should all calm down. I'm perfectly calm. Which is odd, because I shouldn't be. Not when facing everything I deplore. The man's deranged. We were fine until he came in here. He's the one who upset you. That isn't true. He tricked you into reading your poetry. I heard him say so. I thought it might help us all. And it did. What? And he's the one who spotted the ring. You're poisoning their minds. I'm opening their eyes. Somehow you're controlling them. That's why this place is so wrong. What are you saying about my place? Can't you feel it? Underneath the calm. Whatever this conditioning is. Conditioning? It's him. Unsettling us all for no reason. You should throw him out. What? Now, wait. Everyone's welcome in here. That's the whole point. But he is unsettling us. 
I don't understand why, but he is. Frank, no, please. I want... I need to stay. Look at him. Shaking. Guilty. Weak. Throw him out into the storm. Now then. Take your hand off me, please. We don't want any trouble. Neither do I. Please, don't do this. We have to ask you to leave. He was terrified, quaking where he stood. But Elroy was right. This man had unsettled us. His presence. His questions. I don't even know what it was about him. I knew only one thing. We needed that man gone. It was the only way any of us could be safe. Frank, please. I'm doing this for you. For all of you. Exactly. It's what has to be done. I didn't say so. And this is my place. Frank, don't make me throw you out. You don't mean it. It's my gaff, my decision who stays. Let the poor man go. Frank, please. Fine. Thank you. You could make it easy. Leave of your own accord. I... I don't want to do that. He wants to spoil it for the rest of us. Elroy, enough. We could all do with just calming down. I could buy everyone a drink. There you are, you see. We can all be friends. Frank, what do you say? Say yes. I... I accept. Good. Um, I'm not sure I have any money. Typical. When did you ever buy anyone a drink? Hey, why are you getting at me? Because he's right. There's something about you. Something inside. I said enough. All of you. We can be civilised. We can be calm. Frank, I think you should say something. Um, thank you, Di. I mean to him. You, you don't have to. I'm, I'm fine. I, I should apologise. Why? Because she says so. Elroy. It's weakness. To win the war, we have to be strong. We're not... Oh. What? What were you going to say? We're not... We're not going to get into that. Frank, it's all right. I don't think it is. You were on the cusp of saying something else. I don't think I was. We're not quite ourselves. And every time we get close to what's really happening... Everyone just needs to calm down. That's it. Whenever we get close, we calm down. Poppycock, conspiracy is an offence under wartime regulations. Don't listen to him. He takes comfort in winding us up. It makes him feel safe. We're all doing things that make us feel safe. I don't feel safe. Frank, you're shaking. I can't stop it. I don't understand. But I can almost hear. Does anyone else hear that? It's a storm, isn't it? What can you hear in it? What's out there? Tell me. The enemy. The war. Man's lost his marbles. You all have. Will you shut up? Make me. All right, I will. Get away. Frank, no. Stay calm. Get him off me. Don't do it. The man's completely mad. I said shut up. Breakfast in the trenches. I was in the trenches. A long time ago. The clank of tin mugs. The last brief sip of warmth before eternal cold. Cold hard truth of it, looking at the figures. Well, we can't let this out. They don't tell us how bad it is. They think we don't know. Morning again, and I'm mourning. Not for the fallen, for myself, for what's coming. Sorry, I'm not sorry. I have to run and live. 
Then the message comes. I'm to go back to HQ, collect a medal, make a speech. How things really are at the front. The figures are in front of me. You can't argue with facts. So I'm not there when... I ran away. And then I learned that because I wasn't there, my unit were all killed. Everyone is dead. That's the projection. We will lose the war. What was that? He hit me. The violence, the shock of it, triggered something in all of us. We remember who we are. I wasn't there when my unit came under attack. I ran away, and because of that... It doesn't matter what you did. This war cannot be won. Defeatist talk. It's treason as he is running away. I'm not a soldier. You saw it just by looking at me. I saw something. What did you do? I had to get away. Faked a new identity. Opened this place. And you were safe for a while. <sighs> there were customers talking. They mentioned my old name. It turns out there was a famous study of group dynamics. By leaving, I undermined the confidence of my whole unit. In the next offensive, they all died. You can't blame yourself. Yes, you can. And you did. So what did you do? You already know. You've hardly been able to keep your eyes off it since you came in. The thermostat. It's a mood enhancer. Puts people at their ease in the shop just a little bit. But after you found out, you were anxious. Guilty. I couldn't live with myself. Good. So you turned up the effect. There are safety protocols, but I bypassed those. I didn't see any harm. Neither do I. We all felt good until he spoilt it. I'm sorry. Maybe it was better when we were... Sleepwalking. Lobotomised. You stole who we were. I even forgot I was married. That's all right for you. You can go back to... No. Because she's dead. I'm sorry for your loss. She was lost a long time ago. Then Dai took even my memories. And it's happening again. The awful calm descending. The device is jammed. Can't switch it off. I had to fuse the protocols. I have to get out of here. But you're safe. If you go out, they'll send you to the front. You don't stand any chance. We can fix this. I'm sure there's a solution. You heard what Frank said. We can't win the war. So the enemy will be here soon anyway. At least I can die as me. No, wait! Goodbye, Frank. The moment she passed through the door... She was different. It's not too late. You could go after her. Do you think she would listen? You made a connection. She won't have forgotten that. But now it feels like she was betraying her dead partner. Anyway, if I go through that door, I'll change too. You'll be you. No embellishments. All right. He's... He hasn't followed her. He's going the other way. I got it wrong. Or maybe if he can get back to his work, he can change the logistics. Have her move somewhere she's safe. There won't be anywhere. Perhaps that's why he let her go. Rather than prolong the agony. Well then. You're not going out there. I think I have to. It's been good to forget for a bit, have the pressure taken off, but... The war out there, the war being fought in time. I was searching for someone. 
The answers are still out there. This isn't the end of the line. Don't go. You don't have to. It would be so easy not to. Oh, you're shaking. No rest for the wicked. Thank you for trying to be kind. But it's time I was me again. No, wait! I've never asked your name. Look at him. The arrogance. Who does he think he is? Well, a bit of quiet at last. The authorities will want to know where Frank and Madeline have been. There will be questions. They'll come asking here. Or the enemy will get to us first. You don't seem very concerned. The way I see it, we've nowhere to run to. And I'm happy here, while it lasts. What about you? I don't know. Want another drink? Will you join me? Thank you. Don't keep watching the door. I wasn't. Just listening to the storm. It's getting worse. Yes. Anyone out there is already lost. You have been listening to Doctor Who, Shadow of the Daleks, The Bookshop at the End of the World, written by Simon Guerrier. The Doctor was played by Peter Davison. Di Wright, Dervila Kerwin, Frank Reichenbach, Jamie Parker, Madeline Williams, Angeli Mohindra, Elroy Dale, Glenn McCready. Other roles played by members of the cast. Director, Ken Bentley. Producer, David Richardson. Sound design and music, Wilfredo Acosta. Script editor, John Dorney. Executive producers, Nicholas Briggs and Jason Hay-Gallery. You're listening to a Big Finish production. of one storm and into another. A storm or a shockwave. Banded. Oh, at least we're in one piece. Hmm. Florence. Cradle of culture, height of the Renaissance and... It's match day. Oh, man can't live by books alone, I suppose. Goal. My cue to enter. Bravo. Up the blues. Or the reds. Or whoever's playing. This... Thank you.
That's my TARDIS. Excuse me. A man from the bookshop. So it's not just three. And military types. Again. What does it mean? Excuse me, Captain. That's not yours. What? That box your men are manhandling belongs to me. It's... It's yours, is it, my drunken friend? I do beg your pardon. When you've quite finished reeling around, you can tell me who you think you are. I'm the doctor. A doctor, no less. Well, I'm no quack, but I can see what ails you, sir. A butt of sack has addled your palsied brains. Well, as it happens, I was in a place serving drinks. We both were, but I think it's more likely a stray football to the temples, not me for six, as it were. Uh, this is the Piazza Santa Croce, isn't it? The crowd's disappeared quickly. A football? They haven't played the kicking game here for many a year, sir. The youth have had a higher purpose to serve. That's right, onto the cart with it! Please, leave my box behind. You can't possibly have a use for it, sir. So... I don't, but the Duke will. And he will look upon me with favour at so unusual a gift at the celebration this evening. Onwards to the palazzo! Double it! The Duke? Let me see, I'm guessing I'm in the latter half of the century, so would that be Lorenzo di Medici? I can't remember if I've had the pleasure, but I'm sure he'd be delighted to meet me. No more jokes. You mention his or any of those names from the old times again and you die, clown. Right, no old names. If you could tell me the new ones I'm supposed to know, I'd be... Ow! Your wits are dull, but my steel is sharp. Be on your way, quack. Or I diagnose a sharper pain than the one in your head coming very soon. I can't let you take... Wretch. Be grateful I am kind at heart. The Duke would not have been so merciful. <laughs> Here, payment for your box. Buy yourself another flask of wine. Onward, lads! What's this? A florin? One new florin? Is this even legal tender? Oh, something isn't right here. This is more like a barracks than a city. Where did that card go? Get your hands off me. I've done nothing wrong. Ah, oh, I know that voice. I'm on the right track. Uh, what's the trouble here, um, officer? This big slab's trying to throw me out the city gates. Ow! Go on, get out. Uh, let go of her wrist, please. There's no need for that. What's it to you? Uh, this young woman is in my employ, sir. If you have any problem with her, then take it up with me. Huh? Uh, a chicken and a roll of taffeta. Finest cord of umbricate, sir. Just as I ordered. I neglected to send her out with the requisite monies to pay for such items, didn't I? Oh, you did it that, sir. An oversight on my part, officer. As you can see from my, uh... Fine woolen corslet, I am a cloth merchant, and my seamstress, uh, Bianca, Bianca was running some errands for me. Uh, here, one new florin should cover it, and any expenses you may have incurred. What? One florin, sir. Ah, inflation. Uh, here, a gold piece from the far-off city of uh, Laundromat. The exchange rate is quite favourable. <sighs> Watch yourself. Thank you, sir. And what may I call you? I'm the Doctor. <laughs> the Doctor? I knew it. You're a player too. A player? I'd have you down as more of an Arlecchino myself. What with those stripy breeches of yours. Arlecchino? Oh, Harlequin. That sounds worryingly familiar. 
But aren't we a bit early for Commedia dell'arte, historically speaking? <laughs> well, my troupe does it all. Historical, pastoral, comical, tragical, scene indivisible or poem unlimited. So you're going for poetry? That's, um... Never mind. Keeps the troops entertained, does it? Oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, yeah, we'd better move before they try to throw us out again. We're right by one of the southern gates, aren't we? The Porta Romana. It's a nice name. I didn't think I'd come that far. Hush now. <laughs> Walk and talk. These new city walls are enormous. Have the building works been going on long? Oh, since the Duke got back from his campaigns. Been at it like Trojans, they have. The Duke? What's the name of this Duke? Name? Where's the Duke? The Duke. The only one. So he's not a Medici or a Patsy, perhaps? No. Keep your voice down. Are you mad? No bonfires of the vanities around, so Savonarola's not part of the picture either. Where have you been hiding? No other nobles anymore. And no monks. Just the Duke. Look, on the archway. You're not telling me you haven't seen that before? That carving? Yes. It was on the new florin I had. The one-eyed man. A cyclops head. Sinister. And perhaps a shade familiar. It's the Duke's crest. Oh. Right. I'm fine, Mr. Twinge. And underneath, Florentia Nova. That's where we are now. New Florence. The Duke has flattened Pisa, flattened Venice, and has just come back from flattening Rome. We're at the centre of a new world. I'll say. But a smaller one. How do you mean? Oh, nothing. Just a feeling. Or maybe it's the Cyclops' eye following me round. They're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's an audience, isn't it? Ah, there's some people I'd like you to meet. Venus calls to me and bids me travel far across the sea to meet my fate within the land of Italy. I must depart, you never more to see. Oof. Are you really going to do it like that? If you don't like it, why don't you try rewriting and acting at the same time? And rhyming sea and sea. I'm not sure that quite works. What can I say? I'm an innovator. Oof. I'm not sure that butchering the classics can be altogether justified artistically, that's all. Look around you, Anna Maria. If half the city can be pulled down for the renovations, then I think that our play can withstand some tiny edits. Tiny? Hello, you two. You call swapping Rome for Florence at the end a tiny edit? I'm adjusting the facts of the drama to our new context, considering that there isn't a Rome anymore and whom we'll be playing this in front of. Ah, well, you might have a point there. I concede. I'm cutting the coat to fit the cloth. Speaking of which, Bianca, how did you do finding us a new back curtain? There you go. A roll of decent brocade and a chicken for dinner. Good, I suppose. And this is the doctor. Hello again. Almost the full company. Very good, Bianca. Oh, he's a player like us. Even better. Oh, I see. Well, I'm afraid we won't be playing a comedy tonight, so your services won't be needed. I wasn't aware I'd tendered any services, Mr... Pancaldi. Virgilio Pancaldi. Actor-manager here. We're rather busy now, so thank you for your interest, but we must get on. Oh, don't be so rude, Virgilio. I'm sure the nice doctor could help us with the show. We are short-staffed at the moment. What with Ernesto, uh... Hitting that guardsman's axe with his neck at the Trattoria the other evening. Oh, don't remind me. This is very kind of you, but I have another pressing matter that I really must address. So... Do you uh, have to? I, I mean, this would be great exposure for you. 
The Duke has taken something of mine, and I really need it back. Not to mention figuring out what's been going on with the time streams. Your luck's in. We're doing a play for the Duke's victory celebrations tonight. Last minute booking. That's a coincidence. Isn't it? Funny. It was a collision that brought us here. Our cart broke a wheel on the road and we were stuck. Fixed it now, but opportunity knocked and compelled us towards the heart of things. Mm, and it's a very serious piece of theatre, so no need for a comedy turn from you. Really? The Duke's victory celebrations are clearly where everything's happening. I'm in. Mm, changed your tune. What a surprise. Absolutely not. Let him give me a hand with the props, Virgilio. I think he'd be wonderful. Actually, why do we have to play the same parts all the time anyway? It's the fact you're playing different ones all the time that's worrying me. Anna Maria, don't be difficult. I'm doing the best I can altering the script at short notice, let alone recasting it. You can concentrate on the words and he can do the acting. I beg your pardon? I will be taking the part of Dido, Queen of Carthage. I see. Either the Doctor plays Aeneas, or I walk. Ugh. Very well, Doctor, you're on. Do I have any say in the matter? Yeah, not bad going, Doctor. Seen Shifter to lead in two minutes. As if I didn't have enough on my mind. of your twinges. Seems to get more acute the further away from the city walls we get. Uh, no, I'm fine, really. We're in the Signoria already, if that's a Palazzo Vecchio. That was quick. Lower your voice, you idiot. Uh, we call them Piazza Victoria and Palazzo Imperiale now. This evening is going to go splendidly. Pay no attention, Doctor. The world has changed so much, so suddenly. And we're all delighted about that. It can be so hard to keep up. The palazzo's certainly been fortified. That clock tower looks more like a missile silo. I wouldn't have got in without you. Don't speak too soon. Ah, gentle officer, compliments of the evening to you. The Duke's taking no chances. No one's seen him since he returned, but you can't miss the troops everywhere. He's not come out onto the balcony for compulsory saluting practice. He prefers to skulk in the shadows. And his party's taking place behind closed doors. Why have one at all if you're so shy of company? Well, you know what they say. All roads lead to, well, Florence now. But do they? I beseech you, sir, we are not assassins. Virgilio's having a hard time with that card. At this rate, we're not getting in at all. Can either of you dance? Dance? Assassins can't do the Charleston, by and large. Follow me, Bianca, and copy my steps. <laughs> oh, how vulgar. Must be some Neapolitan invention. But wherefore shall you set your oars and sail? Away from me and leave my hopes to fail? My heart to break, my skin to blanch so pale? That I shall die! A sad end to this tale? A sad end to this tale? That's you, Doctor. What? For the fifteenth time, you've got to be able to speak as well as prance in this game. I'm terribly sorry I was distracted. Were you? How trying for you. Is there something else you'd rather be doing? I was hoping to find my TARDIS, but the guards... It wasn't a bit... question. Shall we take a minute and the Doctor can have a look over his lines? I shall be in my... 
Well, on the other side of the hall. Only five minutes. If the Duke likes it as much as the guards do. Yes, gentlemen? No, not a peep. We're finished. Bianca, does anything about this hall look strange to you? How do you mean? Biggest room I've ever played. Really? How many guards were there when we came in? I don't know. Couple on each doorway. So, must be 12, 16? Count them now. What? I know they're quiet, but trust me, when everyone arrives, things will really liven up. Humor me. All right. Anything to stave off pre-show nerves. Two, four, six, eight. Eight? Is that right? See what I mean? Uh, no. There were three entrances on either side when we came in, plus the big arch up at the front, so that should have been at least 14 guards. <laughs> if you say so. I can't see it myself. Is this how you warm up, then? Counting things, each to his own. How long until the show? Oh, we've got ages yet. Enough for a full run-through, so you'll have plenty of time to get the words down. Right, they want us out of here. The Duke and his guests are arriving. See? Bags of time. Already? That's strange. But perhaps I have the chance to slip out quickly. Not likely. Come along. This nice officer will be escorting us to the minstrel's gallery before we make our big entrance. Anna Maria! There's no need to shout. I'm right here. Oh, so you are. Come along, then. Everything's happening so suddenly. <laughs> Not that way, Doctor, unless you want to examine the fine workmanship on this gentleman's halberd. Upstairs it is. Don't worry, Doctor. I know it must be a bit bigger than what you're used to, but you're doing very well. Don't mind Virgilio. He does care, but he has a funny way of showing it. Thank you. It's not the performance, but my head has been clearer. I wonder if there's a thermostat around. Don't worry. Plays tricks on you being this high up. What a view. All those people down there. Our admiring public. We'll give them the time of their lives. All those people? There can't be more than ten of them. Not this again. Count them if it makes you feel calmer. The ceiling seems lower. Getting lower, moving down on us. What's wrong with him? He's not going to do that on stage, is he? Just breathe, Doctor. Hold my hand if you feel unsteady. Uh, no, it's fine. I just felt something. Duke is entering. That's one way to travel being carried everywhere on a beer. Look at his helmet. His mask. It's like the crest, only one eye. Like the Cyclops. Not just a Cyclops. They said he'd been injured. Private experiments with gunpowder during the Siege of Rome. I dread to think what's under there. Be quiet. You'll hear us. Lord, he is enormous in that armour. You couldn't tell if there was a man in there or not. Your Grace. Him. As captain of the local militia, May I be the first to speak and offer you our city's fiercest congratulations for your victory. We are grateful that our noble Duke has returned safely and hope he will turn his visage from the terrible countenance of war to the radiant sunshine of radiance to his subjects. To start this chapter in our city's history, as the new capital of the world, will he please to accept this as a gift and token of our esteem? 
The TARDIS! Does it please, Your Grace? I am honoured. You... What would you have me do, Your Grace? I... The box does not... I mean, it is not for me to open the box, Your Grace. That privilege should be for you to enjoy. No! I beg you, Your Grace, do not summon him! No! 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 Exterminate! A Dalek. Right at the heart of it. Same as always. For the last time, keep your voice down or we'll be thrown out or worse. You can see it, though. The Dalek, the thing that executed the captain. A nasty piece of work, him. I averted my eyes. The Duke's executioner is notorious. None meets his gaze and lives. Executioner? You can't see that it's a machine. A, what would you call it? An engine of war. He's a man. Just. But Anna Maria's got the right idea. Best not to look too close. Not again. Can't breathe. Closing in. Oh, he's off again. Give him some air. Hello, Doctor. Back with us now? I know what's wrong. You do? Some kind of dimensional instability. Stage fright. We're artists. We're sensitive, so it's natural that we respond to our environment. I agree. Was the archway that shape a moment ago? The Duke is waiting. They won't be looking at the set. You're on. What? We are proud to present our interlude, the tragical history of Dido and Aeneas. And now that Prince of Troy treads on the strand, his tarnished sword held in his noble hand, he drops his head and kisses salty sand, and wonders if this is his promised land. Oh, good grief. <clears throat> oh, mighty Jove, who sits in clouds above, whose thunderbolts my ship in tempests drove, to this kind shore, this bounteous verdant cove, will I find here a, a fate of hate or love, or a way to get to the TARDIS down there. I am that Dido, queen of Afric's shore, whose realm extends an hundred leagues or more. Now, ragged stranger, be you rich or poor, light dapples your proud brow the more. Doctor, are you going downstage? Dido's there. Oh, sorry. One gazes on your pleasant open face, your eyes so clear, your bearing full of grace. Tell me, wise traveller, ere you fly apace. I think that was the Duke's enormous mace. That's not in the script. And what's he doing at the front of the stage? His best, considering the material. Oh, I don't have time for this. 
The show must go on. A Dalek theatre critic, the worst of all possible worlds. Aeneas is my name. Fled from the war, I come and land my ships upon your shore. Oh, let's cut to the chase. My fortune lies elsewhere in Italy. There shall I find a teeming great city. You've skipped. That's near the end, isn't it? Um, uh, uh, what? Uh, did you go? So, what? Did you go? So shall I weep me blind? I must escape my destiny to find beyond the reaches of your sight and mind the bounties of your land. Do not me bind. There. Did you enjoy that, Your Grace? Is it just me, or has the stage shrunk? Not to mention the room. Doctor! So much for Doctor Theatre. All this focuses on you, Duke. The world revolves around you, and now it's contracting around you, too. Don't go into the audience. It's not that sort of show. I count the cards again, Bianca. See? There aren't any. I don't know. There's only the Duke. It's twice the size of you, Doctor. Now, let's see who's behind this mask. The executioner. Look out, Doctor. His axe. Exterminate. Exterminate. Oh, God. <gasps> Who are you? Oh, he's dead. The doctor is dead. I, I'm so sorry, Your Grace. We didn't know he was an assassin. An assassin? We... On the contrary. He's given me a whole new lease of life. You look just like him. Were you twins, Your Grace? I am him. The doctor. And now I'm free. Such a relief, this armor. A cyclops mask, very impractical. Can't judge distances with only one eye. As I look out of that window, I can see the city walls are contracting too. The world's gone mad. And we're right at the center of it. This place won't hold together for long. Exterminate! Oh, oh. oh woken up, have you? The spatial distortion's affecting your aim. Let's see if an iron mask slows you down a bit. Doctor, I mean Duke, look, the other Doctor's body is vanishing. You can see that then. Well, before it does, I'll need the TARDIS key from his, I mean, my pocket. Exterminate! Oh, oh no. Quick, you two, into the TARDIS. This cabinet? Yes. You two, Bianca? Don't need to tell me twice. Pursued by Dalek. My, looks like an altar. Have we been gathered up? You're not a priest as well as a duke, are you? I'm quite the Renaissance man, but no. Rampant destruction, time out of joint. What's going on? Let's have a look outside. The hall and the city are collapsing in on themselves. A bubble time stream? Not just that. Are you the Duke or the Doctor? I've always been the Doctor. Uh, the TARDIS, my, my ship here, didn't land properly. I thought it had, but it created a time bubble. A what? A single second, isolated from the continuum and playing itself out independently. But it can't sustain itself forever. It has no energy. So it was contracting, reducing itself into a singularity. We got out just in time. We did? Of course you can't see the difference from the inside. 
the outside too, come to mention it. The real history continued as normal without you. Nobody even noticed the jump, but here, my presence warped it, changed it, created a whole new timeline. History breaking down. I was trapped at the centre, trapped into being something unrecognisable, holding everything together, sitting on top of a, a, a detonator. Or a detonator in reverse. The person you met was an echo. A reflection of me on the surface of that bubble. Uh, the one by the city walls, you mean? If you like. It got trickier to exist the closer I got to the centre of things, i.e. me. Not wishing to sound self-centred. I could sense myself here as I dragged myself in. Once that echo died, my energy was restored. I got back into the TARDIS and the bubble popped. I don't understand. Neither do I. Not yet. What caused the bubble in the first place? Why did my TARDIS trigger it? Some kind of temporal weapon? Maybe it isn't just you echoing back in new forms. I'll pray to St. Anthony. I seem to have lost something. What? My mind. We'll be all right once we dematerialize. All these time streams and the Daleks poisoning them. Like some kind of defense mechanism. Or trap. Whatever. Florentia Nova was a distinctly unpleasant place to maintain. What is happening? We're leaving. I have a new set of coordinates to follow. An answer to seek. I... Bianca? Anna Maria? Gone. The moment I dematerialized. As if you never really existed. Interesting. Well, that's enough of talking to myself for one day. Although at least I'm saying my own words again. You have been listening to Doctor Who Shadow of the Daleks Interlude, written by Dan Starkey. The Doctor was played by Peter Davison, Bianca Angeli Mahindra, Anna Maria Devla Kerwin, Virgilio Jamie Parker, Captain Glenn McCready, the Daleks Nicholas Briggs. Other roles played by members of the cast. Director Ken Bentley, producer David Richardson, sound design and music Wilfredo Acosta, script editor John Dorney, executive producers Nicholas Briggs and Jason Hay Gallery. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Shadow of the Daleks, Volume 2. What are you doing in my laboratory? Now, no, come on. There's no need for that. There he is. Look. My darling son. Oh, it really is dead. 
Did you think it was a joke of some sort? It wouldn't have surprised me. You know how he likes to be the centre of attention. Now, I need to find out what I meant to each of you in order to determine the identity of the murderer. You mean you plan to solve your own murder? Exactly. What in the name of... You can step in and help at any time, by the way. Been a while since I used a broadsword. Oh, look at that. I'm better than I remember. You're saying this is a little more complicated than just a crash? Yes. You see, this isn't the first time we've met. I've recently encountered several people who look like you over and over again, spread out across the whole history of time and space. That's amazing, but weird. Perhaps. I think there's more to it than that. What's worrying you so much? Something called a Dalek. Stay where you are! All right, we're not going anywhere. What are they? Can't you guess? Surely the voice is a clue. Robots? No, mutations. There's organic life inside those shells, not that you'd notice. Even if they're as violent as you say, they can't be that much of a threat. You'd be surprised. Obey or you will be exterminated! The shields are holding for now. I'll boost them as much as possible. Lock the doors. Well, somebody didn't pay their electricity bill. It's still rebooting. No on power. Whatever the Daleks are up to, it's the cause of all this, I'm sure of it. And speaking of Daleks, that's the door locked. They can't get in. Status report! Time Lord and three unknown humanoids located. Destroy the Time Lord and the humanoids. Exterminate! Exterminate the Time Lord! Uh, right. So, I think the idea is that I'm supposed to just get on with it now. Apologies, then, to uh, those of you who are still listening. I suppose there are some of you out there. Listening? It's really rather hard to tell from here. Big Finish. We love stories. Hello, I'm John Dorney. I script-edited most of Shadow of the Daleks. Different people, but with the same faces. What's happening here? I always think uh, the best approach to writing a, a one-part story for Doctor Who is, if anything, to go with a slightly bigger idea than usual. I think we love short stories because the ideal short story is is short and it is a story, which sounds like a slightly facile thing to say. But it get, it's an easy way of exploring a relatively straightforward idea. Not every idea you'd have for a Doctor Who story could sustain uh, two hours, three hours, one hour, whatever. But sometimes there are neat little ideas where you get to explore something a little bit smaller, a little bit more compact. And uh, you could do a little bit more character work, for example. Um, you can do all manner of little extra things. And you get that in both in the writing of a short story and you also get that in, in short Doctor Who fiction. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the voice of the Daleks in Shadow of the Daleks. We bring darkness. This planet is ours. Yeah, as the title suggests, rather than this being a, a sort of full-on Daleks burst through walls and blow people up kind of adventure, the Daleks cast a long shadow 
over this story. And I think that it was a fantastic idea that uh, David Richardson and John Dorney, that's the producer and the script editor, came up with to do something different with the Time War. Have the Daleks, you know they're there. This is the trick, you see. You know they're there. There's no surprise to that because of the title. It's just a question of the audience working out how and why and it, I think it's really intriguing. It makes them a sort of enigmatic menace in the background and their presence is always felt, which I think is a real testament to some great writing here. My name is Peter Davison and I play the Fifth Doctor. You're not a priest as well as a duke, are you? I'm quite the Renaissance man, but no. Rampant destruction, time out of joint. What's going on? I like this series we've just done of the... Uh, the Dalek story, well, sort of Dalek story. I, I've enjoyed those because they've been—they've all been different, and they're—you know—you're not, you're not in four episodes. You have different writers coming in and doing the, the various stories, so it's been good. My name is James Kettle. I'm a writer of all sorts of things for TV, radio, the occasional play, and a lot of stuff for comedians, um, particularly Joe Lycett and Miles Jupp. One of the things that I've written, and the thing that concerns us most immediately is the first episode of Shadow of the Daleks, aimed at the body. I vowed, then, to come back and win. To bring those animals to heal. To overpower their weakness with my strength. Until the universe kneels before the might of the Dalek Empire. No. When John, the script editor, assembled the writing team that he wanted for Shadow of the Daleks, various themes were being thrown around, various ideas. One of the things that came up was the idea of doing something about the Bodyline series. Wonderful resonance for Peter's Doctor, of course, because of the love of cricket. And it's a story that I know extremely well. Uh, myself and Miles Jupp uh, have written a screenplay about the Bodyline series, one of those many screenplays that gets caught in development hell and, and will never be heard of again, no doubt. But it was an era that I knew very well and felt I could mine for a good Doctor Who story. The other thing I really wanted to do with Aimed at the Body was write a less comic Doctor Who than I have done necessarily before, one that was more about... Uh, fear and intrigue and less reliant on gags and big overblown characters. Hi, I'm Jonathan Morris and I wrote Doctor Who Shadow of the Daleks 2 Lightspeed. Uh, I have good news and bad news. The good news is there's a teleport on board which can transport all of you to my ship. What's the bad news? Um, I'm going to have to give each of you a peck on the cheek. I had the idea for this, uh... Lightspeed a long time ago, maybe maybe even ten years ago, when I've been sort of pitching it to a big finish over the years. And because it's always been sort of there, it's always been sort of on the back burner, I've found that when when I've been reworking it for pitches or just sort of in quiet moments mulling it over, I've always sort of gone back to going, Oh, yeah, that light speed idea, that's really good. And I'd have sort of extra thoughts and extra ideas about it. So this story, in a way, is um 10 years in the making, I suppose. My name's Simon Guerrier, and I wrote The Bookshop at the End of the World. I deal solely in facts. The unvarnished truth, whether we like it or not. <laughs> Do you two know each other? Do we? I don't think so, no. You don't remember anything? That's rather the problem. I don't know. When John Dorney first asked me if I would be uh, interested in Shadow of the Daleks, apart from saying, yes, yes, please... He sent me the email chain 
that he'd been having with some of the authors where they'd been discussing their ideas and what the parameters of the series would be. And really what he was inviting from me was an idea for a high concept story, just a setting and a way of using the actors, the, the characters as he had defined them. Really, he'd defined the characters as the gender and age of the, the actors that he had in mind. But otherwise, that was really it. I was kind of thinking of a setting that seemed safe, but something more sinister was going on. And last year, I visited a secondhand bookshop that was also a pub, which just seemed such a delightful, warm, safe place. We were there, my wife and I, at the end of last year, and it was cold and wet outside, and we took shelter in this shop, and it had lots of different drinks and it had an open fire and it had a scraggy dog that came and said hello and just seemed so welcoming and lovely and I just thought that's the kind of thing that that is a good starting point really. I'm Dan Starkey and I wrote Interlude in the Shadow of the Daleks sequence. Either the Doctor plays Aeneas or I walk. Ugh. Very well Doctor you're on. Do I have any say in the matter? Not bad going, Doctor. Seen Shifter to lead in two minutes. As if I didn't have enough on my mind. I think with this story, I just had the image of the Doctor and a group of travelling players trying to get into a big castle, a bit like the uh, scene from Hamlet, with the, uh, the conscience of the king, the play within a play. I think that's quite a fun thing of the Doctor finding himself in the midst of a group of players and ingratiating himself that way and uh, being separated from the TARDIS. That's a, good, that's a good motor for a story. Obviously getting the TARDIS back is a good problem to solve, as well as the wider mystery as to who these people are and how he's got here. But um, that, that's, a good, that's a good definite thing to have. And I think it's just sort of a, sort of a slightly gothic atmosphere. I think was my original one that I had rattling around my head. You know, sort of El the cast of Elsinore, which is very sort of uh, very full of shadows and mirrors and that sort of thing. And then, obviously, once you took the grain of that idea, then you start to construct out from it. And I think, yeah, basic, basically, so I just uh, just being chats with with, uh, with the script editor, with John Dorney, you have to flesh things out. I uh, have to explain and show your workings a bit more and actually sort of make it a bit more, a bit more coherent rather than just, uh, rather than just, uh, just a single image and start, you start to build the world around that. Hello, Dervila Kerwin. The whole point of this place is meant to be that you don't feel anxious. That I'm letting the side down. Yes. I'll make more of an effort. Well, I was very excited always very excited to work on something as surreal and crazy and exciting and in that way that only radio can so you can be transported anywhere I've found it a real pleasure actually to work on these scripts they're terrific this is Angeli Mahindra <laughs> well my troupe does it all historical pastoral comical tragical scene individable or poem unlimited so you're going for poetry that's um never mind I've really enjoyed this collection of eight scripts. It's just been amazing having the chance to play characters from such different worlds and backgrounds and timelines, all with the same cast. It's just been such a joy to work with Dervla, Jamie, Glenn and Peter. And I feel like we've sort of got to know each other that bit more than you do when you only get to work together for like a day or so. So it's been a real treat. Hi, I'm Glenn McCready. I don't want anyone hurt. That's exactly the problem with this war. We have to be ruthless, crush the other lot, exterminate them. What did you say? The Shadow of the Daleks, it's been quite an extraordinary collection of adventures. There's obviously, you're aware there's a master plan. You're aware that, uh, you know, from the title, that the Daleks are behind some nefarious scheme. But 
all the way through you're completely disoriented again and again and again and you're never quite sure where you are and, and it can deal with all sorts of contemporary issues there have been lots of terrific characters to play I, I enjoyed the um, the misanthropic Elroy Dale, who had so many characteristics um, that you know translate directly to the to, to the Daleks. You know this rage, this fear, this you know this um, tendency to lash out at those those around him, and Orson, the menacing uh, ship's computer in Lightspeed. That was terrific fun as well. Lucifer will be avenged. <laughs> well, if you say so. There are several practical concerns that came into play with making Big Finish Doctor Who audio drama during the whole COVID-19 lockdown period in that these productions have been remote recorded. Well, I really like sort of showering and then walking into the office and sitting down. I do miss the natural banter and social aspect to our work. Uh, So it is very different but it has made me concentrate and really listen to what the other actors delivery how their delivery is as opposed to maybe just looking at their performance it's it's very different but it's um it's amazing how adaptable we all are in a crisis Uh, (laughs) well i built this sound booth first of all first booth number one was made out of duvets uh, a, a room screen and an old pallet on top but the duvets leaked sort of goose down. So every time I went inside, I got covered in, looked like I'd been snowing inside the sound booth. And then I decided to move it to the cupboard under the stairs. And when I built that, I sort of did similar kind of thing and I got a lot of mockery for that. So I decided to kit the inside of the sound booth out as the Fifth Doctor's TARDIS uh, with roundels <laughs> and painted grey interior. I thought it worked rather well. I think photo is available on the internet. And I've bought these some sound absorption tiles. Well, not actually sound uh, um, acoustic tiles rather than sound, you know, sound absorption tiles. And uh, so it's not really soundproofed. So it is still, it's still um, susceptible to dog barking when someone knocks on the door and things like that. But it's, it's worked pretty well. And I've managed to dig out lots of old equipment that I've had knocking around because I used to do this sort of recording stuff with songs I wrote. So I've got my old DBX out and um, I've got a couple of interfaces standing by in case one gives up. Uh, and I've got my Rode microphone, which is pretty good. And um, so all in all, it's been quite successful, I think. I think when you can hear yourself, well, I certainly was overanalyzing everything I was saying. Um, so you do become very self-conscious. I think there is, that that's an element I wasn't um, aware of until I started working this way. It's never quite like being in the same studio as the, the other uh, actors, to be honest with you. But it's it, once you get used to it, it's it's okay. It really, the test is, you know, how it works out when it's put together. Because obviously, what I can hear is not the way it, the other when the other people speak. Very often, I, I just I hear it's not you know it's not clear, and sometimes there's you know internet dropout. But I sound fantastic to me. <laughs> I've got my, I can just hear me, but obviously everyone else is going to sound just as good when they when you you put it all together. So I suppose the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Sometimes when you're doing it in the studio, you get a sense of how well a scene has gone because everyone is playing in that instant off each other, and we get that thing at the same level. So it's a bit of guesswork involved in terms of your imagination here, but that's no bad thing, is it? We're meant to be actors. 
stories are, are not only our bread and butter, but um, historically, that's uh, how human beings have always connected with each other and, and explained their human condition. And what I mean is, we need the distraction. We need stories. We need levity. We need comedy. We need escapism. So yeah, I think we'll always find a way to help us through this very difficult time. I'm not entirely sure what's happening, what they're up to. But I have to follow that trail until I find out. Even if it kills me. You know, when I saw the storylines for this, I just thought, you know, there's a... Every now and again, you might have a dark thought that maybe we've done it all. Maybe we've investigated every single avenue of telling a Doctor Who story, telling a Dalek story. For goodness sake, I thought that before the new TV series came back, when I did a story called Creatures of Beauty. I thought, oh, you know, we, we've done it all. We, we've told stories in every which way, you know. And so I did Creatures of Beauty to, to break the mould. But this... <laughs> You know, that was proved to be incorrect because there have been so many other brilliant, creative, dramatic solutions since then. And this just continues to prove to me that it's limitless. Someone will always come up with a new and fresh and exciting idea. And Shadow of the Daleks is the latest development in that long line of creativity and innovation that Big Finish is so privileged to be involved in, courtesy of all the fantastic people who work for us. <laughs> 